I am so glad that we met today, not only to be able to see every one of you, but also to hear if there were any needs that we had because of the storm. And uh, the way I understand it, the storm hasn't fully uh, hit, hit us yet. It's still in the lower part of the state. So uh, hold on this afternoon and evening. And of course, if anything comes up, please let us know uh, if we can help you. I'm glad that we can meet today to finish our bodybuilding series on probably one of the top five passages in the Bible that that you will be familiar with. And this passage you probably will always read around thanks, not, excuse me, not Thanksgiving, but Valentine's Day. And what this is, is this is the love chapter. The love chapter, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as I've probably said before, this is a, a great passage to define what true love is for us, not only in how we express love to one another, but also what we should expect from others as well. But I have to say that this is not necessarily a lovey-dovey verse just for husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends and mothers and brothers and sisters, all these kind of things. Because, I mean, this is important and this truly applies to it. But Paul is continuing to build the body. We have talked about how all of us are called to be bodybuilders. We are called to be holy. We are called to use the gifts that God has given us to build. And now he shows us how that looks. And so, just as tendons hold our bones together and... Just as cement builds bricks and turns bricks and stones into tall and strong walls, love must be at the center of our bodybuilding efforts. And just as a reminder, let me show you our motto. It is a a three-point motto that says we need to find our strength, which is found in the Lord. We need to discover your tools, our tools, which are the spiritual gifts that God has given us. And not everybody has the same gift. And then build your place. In other words, wherever you're at, build the church. And so we see in this final message is that we build with our tools through love. Love is the thing that that pulls it all together. And the key verse is in verse 13 that says, These things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That's right. Well, today we're wrapping up the study in the building of the body of Christ with the most important element of all. I'm reminded of this element as Hurricane Florence has approached our state. You see, I'm grateful to report that many of those who I know that live on the coast of North Carolina have fared pretty well uh, many have lost trees, power lines, and experienced flooding, but they still have their lives, and they still have their homes. And at the time that I wrote this message, there had been three fatalities in Wilmington, in the city of Wilmington, where a tree fell on a family, killing two and sending the husband into the hospital. The thing about the hurricane is that it serves as a test, not only to the will of those on the coast, not only to the ability to rescue others, but also it tests the building structures or the structures that are there. There are some people that I know that live on the coast and they have, there's one gentleman that he's got a house and it's built with some, they took styrofoam and then put cement around it. It's just some kind of new 
way they build houses. It's supposed to just kind of laugh at a Category 5. And yet I have another friend that has something that looks one step away from a mobile home that's right on the coast. And folks, the things that those, the construction that those things are built with really does make a difference when life, when winds come and test them. And so we have seen over the years, even in, uh, up here, I remember in Charlotte many years ago when it, a NASCAR event, the bridge collapsed. A con- some of you remember that, a concrete bridge, and they found out that they were skimping on some of the materials using substandard materials. How would you like to know that you're building a house or that your house was built with substandard materials? Folks, as we are building the body of Christ, if we use anything to build the body of Christ other than love, it is substandard material. So when the tests come, our church, our faith, and our lives will crumble if it's built out of the wrong things. It may save us a little bit in the short run, but in the long run it's very costly. So Paul moves from teaching or describing how the body of Christ works and how God has gifted His believers, like you and I, to build it. Just as a bricklayer depends on cement and a builder relies on wood and nails, the body of Christ flourishes When this material is used, it will stand the test of time in the body of Christ. It will stand the test of time in your life, in your marriage, in your families, and in eternity as well. Love is the very DNA that is incorporated in the body of Christ. Let's look at the passage. Verses 1 through 3, we're going to see that building without love is an exercise in futility. If we build the church, if we build our lives without love, we can try all that we want, but it's not going to matter. When, when I was putting this message together, for some reason, the, the old nursery rhyme of uh, the three little pigs kept coming into my mind. You know, one built their house out of straw, one out of sticks, that's right, and then the other one out of brick. You know, it all hope, it all puff, it all blow your house down. But the truth is, is that this world does huff and puff and tries to blow down everything that we build up. And so let's not build the body of Christ. Let's not build our lives out of straw and sticks, but of the bricks that God has given us made of love. In verses 1 through 3, it says, and this is Paul speaking, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Have you ever had somebody that in your family or a friend that was trying to learn how to play the drums or the trombone or I remember as a a youth pastor, we used to go to middle school recitals and uh, bless their hearts as kids. I'm like, That's great. And then by the time they're in high school, they are just flat killing it. But they had to start somewhere. But there's just one thing about if there's something like a noise, or if you've ever lived in an apartment and you had people above you that sounded like elephants, or even like right now, somebody where I can just imagine Tristan coming out of the door right here and going, boom, with a big symbol. You want to do that? 
No. He actually, he'd secretly love it probably. But I wouldn't want to give people a heart attack. But yeah, the gang, the, the gang symbols, or I remember as a kid, I would pull out all my mom's pots and pans and just have a drum fest right there. Bless her hearts. But there's just something about that clanging noise that really gets on your nerves. You know what I mean? And folks, I have had people tell me, and Donna's had people tell her, and I'm sure you have too, that they say that they profess to believe in Jesus, they profess that they're a Christian, and how much they love you, and they treat you like dirt. Don't be that person. And don't allow that person to do that to you either. Because it says that if we have love, if we have all of these gifts, but have no love, we are a clanging symbol. In verse 2, it had, if I had the gift of prophecy... And I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but did not love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Folks, it wouldn't matter if we could pack this building out with people. If it wasn't people that love the Lord and loved His people, it would mean absolutely nothing. And so we see that in each of these passages where Paul is teaching about believers being the body, he emphasizes love. Because love brings value to everything and everyone it touches. Let me say that one more time. Love brings value to everyone and everything It touches. You are an example of someone who has used love to reach you. And there are some people that you've been able to share love with others as well. And the love of this world is not a biblical love. For many today, love has been imperfect. It has been impatient, unkind, envious, boastful, selfish, and hurtful. Wanting a spiritual gift. Wanting to, to have something, some position in the church or some ability to build up your own life and to make you look good is dangerous. Because that's what was happening. This is what Paul is addressing. There are some people that felt like if they had prophecy or if they could speak in tongues or if they could teach that they were better than somebody else. And so they would use that to build their own wallets, to build their own prestige, and it would be on the backs of others. And Paul is saying that this shouldn't be like this. Many in the many in the church at Corinth were jealous of other people who possessed gifts. They wanted to be just like someone else, and they were consumed with their appearance. Look, I'll go ahead and tell you, it, it's still a lie today. There's always somebody comparing their church to another church. There is always a pastor comparing themselves to another pastor. There is always somebody at your job comparing themselves to you in either a good or bad way. Comparison is evil and comparison is selfishness. And comparison is the absolute enemy against love. Some would tear down others who are faithfully serving in the church just to see them break down. You know, if, if you have 
Sister Hazel that has been the head of something for years and all of a sudden, I, I've, not this church, but I've been in other churches where the nominating committee is sitting around the table. And, and the one thing that I'll tell you a nominating committee tries to do is they try to think of people that are not doing a whole lot. And I don't mean that as a, as a uh, derogatory term. I just mean that a, a good nominating committee is going to try to find people and match, match people with their passion. Okay? And so just understand that, that nine times out of ten in nominating committees, you're probably being prayed for and considered for something. But let's say Sister Hazel has been doing something for a long time. And then all of a sudden, this nominating committee comes up and says, well, let's, let's, let's let uh, Sister Susie do something. And immediately people will say, well, who's that? That person hasn't done anything around here. We don't even know them. Their family doesn't go here. You need to be here a while before you get to start doing something in this church. It would be sad if it wasn't true that that goes on in churches. I've got a friend right now in a church that, as a pastor, he is battling with a similar situation. Because people are more worried about their kingdom and their gifts and not wanting to let somebody else come in and have the opportunity. Folks, we've got to be careful. That is not love. It's one thing to, to claim your pew. You know, this is my pew. God talks to me in it and nowhere else in this sanctuary will he speak to me except in this one seat. You see this pew cushion? It's got my imprint in it. And some of you are like, that's my cushion. Don't move it. You move a cushion, you're going to have a church fight. And that's fine. But some would tear down others who were faithfully serving the church to break them down. And that takes a hard-hearted, selfish person. And God has gifted you to build His church. Every one of you in here this morning, you may not know what your gifts are. That's okay. We can help you discover them. Because if you know your gifts and you're not using them, that's called disobedience. James says to know what to do and not do it is what? Sin. Some of you might have the very bricks that this church needs and spiritual gifts to build it to the next level. Because nothing without love will last forever. He says in the last part of verse 3, If I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Who wins when a family fights? Nobody. Who wins when politicians cannot agree? Nobody. Who wins when a war is fought? Well, we might have a declared winner, but there is a lot of fallout from that. At what price are battles won without love? And what do they accomplish? You can win the battle and lose the war. There are some people that they will beat you into a bloody submission to win an argument. But then, at that moment, that person has eliminated any possibility of them and perhaps somebody else ever sharing the love of God in their lives. Some of the most hurtful things that Christians have done has been to speak out of hate instead of love. And they will be judged for that. That's not what we should be building our our church on. 
So here's the point that Paul is trying to make, and I'll show it to you on the screen here, that God gifted you to build His church. God gifted you to build His church, not your kingdom. Look, this is not my church. This is not your church. And I hate to say it, it's not your pew. It might be your cushion. You can take that home with you. But this is God's church, folks. And if, if something happens and, and God removes me, I hope He doesn't, but if He does, there'll be another person who'll come in. And we have seen in our church, year after year, as, as people rise and fall in life, the church continues to go. For some reason, God is keeping these doors open, and I believe it's because we are building a church and a light in a community that is dark. Because when we are done, He will close the doors. One of the greatest things that I, I, I praise God for in this church, and I feel like that there is genuinely a lot of people that love the Lord. And love the people in this community. And I believe that is the main thing that is keeping our doors open. That is the main thing that is keeping people in the seats. That is the main thing that will keep someone coming to church when a hurricane or tropical storms are looming on the horizon. Because they know when they walk in here they are going to experience God's love and the love of His people. Amen? That's what it takes to build a church. And that God has gifted you to build His church, not your kingdom. So love God and love other people over yourself. The second thing we see is that building with love is what we were made for. It's what we were made for. There was a person that was concerned that their car would no longer start. The engine light came on. So... They they came to a garage, and they took the car there, and they asked the mechanic. The mechanic said, what's wrong with the car? And they replied, well, it won't start. Well, the mechanic, he said, well, why do you think it won't start? And the owner got a little miffed at him and said, and snapped back, well, that's why I brought it to you. Well, the, the mechanic said, well, give, give me a little bit more information. He said, well, when I crank it, it just, it does, the, I turn the switch, it does nothing. He said, okay, I understand that, but tell me what events led up to the car not working. And the owner said, well, it needed some gas. So I went and I went to the pump. I lifted the hood. I checked the gas level and it looked good on the dipstick. So I put the dipstick back in, opened the top of the engine and poured the gas in. What do you think that mechanic did? He probably looked at that person and said, well, bless your heart. (laughs) Look, folks, if we do not put love into our lives, if we do not put love into our church building efforts, if we do not put love into our desire to share the gospel message with other people, then it's just like putting gas in the oil of our car. It's not going to work and it's going to seize up. God created us. God formed us out of dirt and breathed His Spirit into us for us to love Him and love His people. That's why you have your next breath. When we fill our lives with love, we can build a life that honors God and build up His church at the same time. Well, the question is, what is biblical love? And I love that, that Paul, he, he, spill, he, he explains it beautifully right here in verses 4 through 7. And now we're going to look at that in 
We're going to read that, and, and you can do what I did. I just went through, and I made two slides. I made one that says what love is and what love is not. So we'll read the verse, and then we'll look at the slides. In verses 4 through 7, he says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. If you just take that passage there, and you, you can sit down with your own notepad or your own computer and, and put down what love is and what love is not. But for your benefit, I've done that for you. So in the next slide, we see what love is. According to Paul, as he is instructing the church and how they love one another, love is patient. Mm. What does that look like? You know exactly what it looks like. Sometimes you've got to show love to people that are acting unlovable. Sometimes you have to take that time to be able to love somebody. You need to be kind to that person. And forgiving, meaning it keeps no record of wrong. Warren Wiersbe was talking about the saddest person he ever met was a man that kept a journal of every person that he felt like has done him wrong. That is a bitter person. Love is forgiving. How do we know that? Because we have been forgiven. I thank God that that He does not keep a running record of how I have failed Him. Because when I pray and I confess and I repent, He forgives me and He chooses to remember that no more. True love rejoices when the truth wins out. True love never gives up. True love never loses faith. True love is always hopeful. And true love endures through every circumstance. Let's see what love is not. Love is not jealous. Sometimes when I'm talking with with people that are considering marriage or considering they're having a, a beef with somebody or or even people that are married, I'll go through and we'll say, okay, let's evaluate the love you have for this person. And let's see if it, what, is it in the first list or the second list? Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not selfish, demanding its own way. That's not love. If it demands your own way, that is lust. And it is irritable. It rejoices when others are wronged. And it rejoices over injustice. If you've ever felt, and I admit, I've felt this way before. If something, and it, Oh my goodness. You, you're driving down the road and somebody blows your doors off. And about 10 miles down the road, they're pulled over. You know you got a little good feeling about that, right? Uh-huh. That ain't love. <laughs> It might make you feel a little bit better, but it's wrong. Yeah, that person shouldn't have been speeding, but at the same time, if we don't show love, we become what we hate. If we don't show love, we become what we hate. One is a godly love. This is how the world loves. 
God loves or God's love, our channel is how we can please Him and reach out to others. Worldly love, we're all in it for ourselves and what can I get out of it? And we see here that the godly love focuses on the inside out while worldly love focuses from the outside in. As we look at the passages, we can see the obvious differences in godly love and worldly love. Godly love seeks to build others up as well as grow our faith and love for Him. It says in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 that it is love that strengthens the church. How are we going to build Christ's church? L-O-V-E. If you love God, you're going to want to serve Him. If you love God, you're going to want to tell other people about Him. This church in Corinth had lost sight of that. Love builds the church. Envy, pride, and jealousy tear it down. And thankfully, he talks about forgiveness. There's no keeping record of wrong. Well, the third thing that we see is that building with love brings growth. Building with love brings growth. Oh, how I pray that someone who starts at this church, they don't end their time at this church without growing any spiritually. It is my prayer that through our Bible study classes and through our prayer meetings, through our Wednesday night services and through the preaching and the singing and the worshiping that we do on Sunday morning and Sunday night, that you learn a little something. And then after you learn a little something, you use a little something. Because if you learn it and don't use it, you lose it. But building with love brings growth. Let me show you what I mean in verses 8 through 13. He says, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and speaking knowledge or special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, this is key. When the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. What is the time of perfection? That is when we are called home. And Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter and the finisher of our faith, makes us perfect. Notice what it says. When that time comes, there will be no need for spiritual gifts. These gifts are given to us to use while we live here. And when we go to eternity, we won't need them anymore. He says in verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but when we when we, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity and that I know that now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Spiritual gifts have been given to us to use while we are here. We are are not all that God created us to be. But one day we will be. We're not there yet. We're half-baked. The biscuits are still soft in the middle. But one day we will be perfect. 
And the gifts that He gives us, He's given us with the purpose of building His church and growing our faith. I probably wouldn't be here if a man named Gene Taylor didn't come to me when I was in middle school slash high school and came and said, Hey, I hear you play bass. We need somebody to play bass in our choir. All I knew was rock and roll songs. I had no idea how to play church music. And here I was, a snot-nosed kid, bringing my, bringing my bass into a church. But it put me on the right path. It was as much discipleship as anything else. And I had a gift. I didn't know what it was. But at the time, I didn't. But now I realize it was music. And using that gift not only built that ministry, but it built me as well. What is your gift? I beg and plead you to understand that. And I got news for you. It's not like, it's not like a, a grape. Some of you say, well, if, it, if spiritual gifts is like a, a grape, I'm just a bunch of prunes. Look, there's no, there is no expiration date on spiritual gifts because they're given by God. And when you die, you're not going to need them anymore. Growth will result of faith, hope, and love. <laughs> Don't judge me when I say this, but when I was a child, I loved drinking milk out of a bottle. And at some point, my mama said, son, you are too old to be drinking out of a bottle. So when I was 12, I put it down. And I, no. Uh, I, I don't know what age it was. It, it was it was obviously embarrassing, embarrassing them. So at some point, they said, look, you got to put the bottle down. I cried a lot. Yes, I was a, 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 an adopted single only child, spoiled rotten. Cute and redheaded. I always wanted to give them away. But I had to put the bottle down. And I didn't like it. I had to grow up. Folks, life is filled with the realization at times we have to grow up. Faith. Faith is where love begins. We love because we have faith in God. Hope. Hope is where we focus on our faith. You see, hope gives us the motivation to grow. If you have, if you are hopeful for God to do something in your life, you will grow because of that. So faith, hope, and love. Love is the action that is found where faith and hope meet. If you do not have faith and you do not have hope, you will not have love. But if you have love without faith and love without hope, you do not have godly love. To lose one is to lose the other. To build one is to build the other. You may say you cannot love like God in a certain situation. Faith and hope says otherwise. Last but not least... Love like God loves with faith, hope, and love. And how do we do that? Let me show you this verse. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you do not know Jesus Christ 
as your Savior and Lord, you have not experienced true love. I mean, you can have the kind of relationship that they have. If you, you ever see the movie The Notebook? Or some of you that are older on Golden Pond? <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember the movie. I don't remember the premise of it. I just remember Henry Fonda was on it. Those kind of movies where at the end you just go, oh, that's so sweet. Even that kind of love is temporary. You can take a man and woman that share love with one another all of their lives. They've been married longer than they can remember and they love each other with all of their heart. But if they do not have God in their lives, that love stops at the grave. God is love. If you want to love your spouse the way God intended you to love them, love God first. If you want to love your kids your parents, your church members, the people that are around you. If you want to love them truly like you should, love God first. He'll show you. And he's given us a great outline into what love is or what love is not here. Just remember these three things when it comes to bodybuilding, building the body of Christ. Number one, find your strength. Number two, discover your tools. And then number three, three, build your place. Build your place with love. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this message today. The Lord, it is just your scripture being read, Lord. 1 Corinthians 13. And Lord, as we conclude this bodybuilding series, Lord, I just thank you that we can end on a note like love. Knowing that, Lord, the love that I have experienced is only due to the love that you have shown me. The Lord, when I love others, it is because I have first experienced it from you. And Lord, if there is someone here that does not have your love, they, they do not have a relationship with you, they have not asked Jesus Christ into their life as Savior and Lord, I pray they not walk out of this place today until they do so, until they know that love and know that forgiveness that remembers no wrong, that they would come this morning during the invitation, come down front and I'll pray with them and teach them and share with them the gospel and pray with them the sinner's prayer. Or maybe there's somebody that's been a Christian for a while and they just have lost sight of that love. May they reconnect with you this morning, either by talking with me or coming to the altar or talking with a friend, whatever it may be. Maybe someone wants to join this church or be baptized. Lord, whatever their decision is, Lord, may you move in their hearts today as we build this body of Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?